I'm Pastor Daniel Morris, and you're listening to Sharing the Bread of Life, a podcast by St. Timothy's Lutheran Church in Skokie, Illinois. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular subscriber, I pray that Christ feeds you from the stories and testimony you'll hear today. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. May the Lord fill you with every good thing, and may you have enough left over to share. The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus answered Judas, not Iscariot, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but it is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. The Gospel of the Lord. So I follow Forbes on Facebook, and last week I saw an article titled, No, the Rich Don't Get Richer at the Expense of the Poor. Having a layman's knowledge of economics, I decided to read the article. I was deeply disturbed by what I read. The author, Reiner Zeidelman, holds PhDs in history and sociology. He's an entrepreneur, a prolific author, and a consulting writer for several notable publications. In his article for Forbes, he attempts to debunk what he calls zero-sum thinking, or the belief that wealth for me means poverty for you. In his view, the rich get rich by providing an extraordinary service to society. Their wealth is nothing but a blessing for the poor. Seidelman uses China as his example. According to World Bank statistics, the number of people living in extreme poverty has fallen as the number of Chinese billionaires has risen. This seems to suggest that wealth for some is good for all. Yet Seidelman is eerily silent about the human cost that such rapid economic growth has exacted from China's poor. Last June, Reuters and CNBC reported an investigation of the electronic manufacturing titan Foxconn. To meet our demand for Kindles and iPhones, Chinese workers suffered from excessive hours, low wages, and inadequate training. 
Additionally, one-third of Foxconn employees were hired illegally and were excluded from protection under Chinese labor law. This doesn't even begin to address the issues of intellectual property theft by Chinese businesses, a crime that has robbed thousands of American workers of their daily bread. Wealth exacts a human cost. The real question is who will pay that cost? The obvious answer is that the poor will pay the cost. While some reports celebrate the employment of poor rural families in the factories, we must ask ourselves about the working conditions in those factories. Many reports have been released detailing the poor working conditions like those at Foxconn. A report released by a watchdog group in England describes how poor rural families, driven to factories by extreme poverty, often get taken advantage of. People live in overcrowded, on-site housing. There's no maternity leave, no child care, and work weeks can last 70 hours or more without weekends. As a result, many parents send their children away to live with relatives while they work to support their family. It would appear that, as Zeitelman says, there is a correlation between the number of billionaires in China and the reduction of poverty. However, Zeitelman is wrong in his belief that wealth is a victimless pursuit. Zeitelman's article is a prime example of the kind of peace that the world gives us. It's the kind of peace that preserves injustice while soothing Caesar's guilty conscience and blaming the poor for demanding more. This peace, the peace given by the world, shields us from the harsh realities of poverty and prejudice. It's the kind of peace that looks upon a broken world and says, I wouldn't change a thing. The peace offered by the world is the peace of ignorance, the peace of denial, a peace that we would protect at almost any cost because we cannot bear the overwhelming sense of guilt and self-loathing that come with understanding our complicity in someone else's suffering. If this is the peace that we are clinging to, it is not the peace of Jesus. By contrast, Jesus' peace is the peace of health and well-being, a corporate peace that makes the whole body sound. It is a peace founded on truth and repentance, the kind of peace that Caesar seeks to crucify because it names his guilt. It is a peace which forms the ultimate good of all humanity, a peace which reconciles Caesar to the migrant worker, a peace that holds us wherever God's love and grace in Jesus Christ carries us through the valley of remorse to new life. Jesus' peace is the peace of redemption from sin, death, and manipulative lies. It's the peace that comes when our lives are oriented around Christ and the kingdom that he brings. It's a peace that looks at a broken world and says, Repent 
and believe the good news. We are estranged from God as long as prosperity, our prosperity continues to come at the expense of the poor. That is why Christ's peace can only flow from the cross. On the cross, Jesus pays the cost that our wealth exacts from humanity. He offers himself as a sacrifice on the altar of consumerism. He pours his life out for a world enslaved by its desire for better and for more. He takes up his life again so that we may share in it and be healed. This is what Jesus means when he says, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with them. A union between humanity and God that was impossible before Christ has now been made possible on account of Christ. Fire comes to dwell with us, and we will not be consumed. Holiness makes its home among sinners, and we will not be destroyed. The Father sends the Holy Spirit to us in the Son's name, and God dwells among mortals on earth. Where the world gives peace through misdirection and cover-up, Jesus gives peace by giving us himself. His death and resurrection prepares the way for us to receive the Holy Spirit. This Spirit, this Advocate, guides our feet in paths of health, well-being, and peace for the whole body of creation. Christ is not a servant of injustice and abuse. He has not come to justify our ignorance, our denial, or our sin. He has come to be our wealth. He has come to be our bread. He has come to free all, including us, from slavery to our wants and our desires. He has come so that the world may have life. We begin practicing our freedom in Christ with education. We seek to understand our role in systems of injustice and our options for changing it. Freedom encourages us to be smart consumers, to take labor protections seriously, and to pursue a lifestyle that shows the same respect for the poor that we demand for ourselves. It may even mean sacrificing the things that we want in order to ensure that another receives the justice that they deserve. This life is consistent with the spirit that we received through Christ in baptism. This life is a holy life lived in harmony with heaven. Zeidelman's gospel proclaims love of wealth and self as the ultimate good for society. But Jesus' gospel proclaims love of God and humanity as the ultimate good for society. Surely, wherever our love is right, we will know God dwelling with us. The Bible is clear that it has always been God's intention to live among us. Through Christ, 
This purpose has been realized. God's presence reorders our lives according to the Spirit. We shall see God face to face, and we shall know the peace of Christ here among us. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Sharing the Bread of Life. For more information on the mission and ministries of St. Timothy's Lutheran Church, please visit our website at www.stTimothyskokie.org or like us on Facebook. Check back next week for a new episode. The blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and always.